If I asked you what it means to have a biblical worldview, what would you say? Friends, welcome to another episode of Inquire Inside. My name is Landon Wietrich, and our guest today is Bob Huber. Bob is on a mission to promote an alternative worldview to the one we are constantly offered by every mainstream narrative and agenda out there. This alternative worldview is a biblical worldview based on a framework of 12 foundational values that Bob will share with us in today's conversation. As a software developer, Bob has built an online platform specifically to promote these 12 values. Today we will also dive into the church's approach to social issues and when it's appropriate to submit to authority. I appreciate each of you for joining us as we inquire inside today, and now let's jump right into the conversation. Back when you started homeschooling, so this would have been early 90s, was it pretty, homeschooling was was pretty rare back then, right? Yeah, I kind of remember even before we had children, uh, we weren't really the pioneers in that. Um, There were others in our our church that were pioneering that, and I I remember remember it being kind of controversial. Um, you know, there were, there were those that, that really felt strongly that we should continue to send our children to public school and so forth. And then, uh, we were, we were really, uh, I mean, we, we went to public school obviously, and, and our, our school was very rural, very, um, sheltered from the world. Mm. Um, but we were really impressed with um the process even though it was difficult you know and took a lot of time uh, to homeschool we were really impressed with um just the opportunities we saw there to uh, have your have your children in your home and work with them directly you know and uh, with their education so that's that's why uh you know my wife joy she she expressed interest in that, and uh, I was supportive. I want to be careful here because I don't want to get, I don't want to get ahead of myself and, and address things that we'll we'll touch on later in the conversation. But if you could go back, you you mentioned how you got some pushback because there were those that felt, I guess, that you could be a light in the public schools, and that maybe that's our role. Again, without getting too much in the meat of what we're going to get into here in a minute, looking back, do you would you tend to agree with that perspective more today or not so much? Like if you could go back and do it all over again. Um, you know, I, I do feel like as, as Christians, as believers, we're called to be a light in, in the world. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. So, so that, you know, being salt, being a positive influence in our culture is extremely important. I'm just not sure that as, as parents, we can expect our young children, especially to, to fulfill that responsibility for us. So I, I see it as being a very personal and individual choice of parents. Um, to decide at what at what age and at what level of maturity they're going to um, start exposing their children to various worldly influences, whether it's sending them to public schools or giving them a smartphone. 
um, you know, we need to support parents in those choices if they want to delay that until junior high or high school. Um, I think those are those are valid choices. Of course, very good, very well said. So let's let's rewind. We're we're going to talk about some things today that you've that you have put together, Bob, and and from what I've seen, you put together very well. And of course, these these this this perspective that you have, this conviction that you have, and really the material that you've put together. This didn't just happen overnight. This is really um, a good portion of your life you've spent through experience and the things that you've witnessed and the studying that you've done, you've put all this together. So let's rewind from today and um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey through Mexico and being a homeschool dad and all that. Tell tell us kind of how this all got started. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy to share a little bit of history. You know, I'm, I'm very, very passionate about biblical worldview. Um, and, you know, that may mean a slightly different thing to different people. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to have an opportunity to just explain a little bit about what it means to me and, and where that all started. Um, going back to, um, you know, before we went to Mexico, I was a, a software developer. And I worked in in business, and I always had um, a desire to do some sort of missionary work. That was something that God laid on my heart, and I didn't know what that looked like at all. But um, you know, He was, you know, God was very faithful and in leading us in in a path. Um, you know, I appreciate um, you know Him Him revealing that to us in a way that we could you know, have faith and follow. So we ended up in, in Mexico. Um, I'm thinking I was in my early thirties mm. and, um, you know, help, helping with, uh, orphanages and, you know, we, we helped our church start an orphanage there. We, we started a small orphanage as well and helped a few other people, um, in that line of ministry. And it was just really interesting. Um, you know, we we were young and and uh, kind of idealistic and and thinking that you know we could really do a good job of of rescuing these at risk youth. And um, you know, after about ten years, you learn that it is just not as easy as you uh, might think. And uh, when people ask me if there's anything I learned in serving you know, at risk youth in Mexico is, is that, I mean, you know, as, as, as Christians were commanded to sow water and then, you know, God grants the increase. And that's definitely the situation in, in, uh, serving orphans. And I think in other areas of ministry as well, um, it is, you don't necessarily get to see, you don't necessarily get to see the results, right? You're planting the seeds. but. Right. I mean, you, there are times when you see results and that's definitely the Lord's work and that's very rewarding. But, uh, I guess the thing that I learned about uh, working with at risk youth is how the importance of the family, mm. you know, the integral family, 
you know, God, God designed that a mother and father and raising children. And it's just, it's just something that's really sacred and extremely important. And once that, once that family unit breaks up, um, you know, it's just really hard to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You can have the, the best people and the, the best programs and, you know, whether it's foster care or, you know, group home. Um, and we had, we had a wonderful, we had wonderful people. We had, um, uh, wonderful facilities and, 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 uh, you know, God honoring, uh, you know, teaching and so forth. And it was still extremely difficult, um, to, to help those young people to, to teach them a biblical worldview. And so, um, so that's where I really became, began to become very passionate about the truth and teaching young people the truth. Cause what we saw was, uh, you know, children without, uh, good upbringing, um, and without, you know, maybe there, there was no father in the picture, uh, the mother, she got involved in drugs and, uh, was not able to care for her children. Then those children would grow up and they would have basically the same situation. So there was a cycle where, um, you know, the mother would have children out of wedlock and those children would end up orphaned as well. So we were trying to break that cycle and, um, and, uh, we were just really, trying hard to teach them the truth on a daily basis. We'd send them off to public school where they would learn what I would call the secular worldview. Mm -hmm. You know, God doesn't exist. Um, we, we evolved from, you know, animals. There's really no right or wrong. It's, uh, you do whatever feels good. And, and, um, you know, we, they would come home and we, we would try to debrief them and, and teach them the Bible. And it was just, uh, Amazing to kind of be on the front line, so to speak, of that of that spiritual battle, and um, so that's that's where I, I developed uh, a desire to uh, find better ways to to teach young people the truth because it was just overwhelming. You know, you think about uh, young people are exposed to movies, worldly movies, worldly music, um, uh, secular teachings in school. Uh, lots of peer pressure. And then on top of all that, which tends to lead them astray, we have our own sinful nature, mm -hmm. which lines perfectly with uh, the secular world. And so it's just very challenging, um, even within a uh, perfect family, so to speak, mm -hmm. where you have a mother and father and, and a, a spiritual environment, it can even in those uh, perfect conditions be extremely difficult to raise up a child these days um, to fear God and to have a complete biblical worldview. It, what, do you mind sharing where exactly in Mexico you were, or was it maybe a couple places? And if, if, you, if you'd rather not say that's fine. No, uh, we were in Sonora. Okay. Uh, that is a state in Mexico, just south of Arizona. Okay. And um, we originally went down as um, as uh, working with an organization of our church, within our church called World Relief. Mm -hmm. uh, it's now called Harvest Call. But um, yeah, we served in an existing orphanage. Um, and then a year later, we helped start an orphanage for our church. And we were there for a couple years and then uh, after that, we started um, another orphanage called Timothy House, 
and um, we were there, uh, I don't know, it was like 11 years total. Okay. So those, those organizations continue on and continue to serve children there in Mexico. And you've been back in the States since, since what year? 2014. Okay. Okay. So roughly 11 years you were over there in Mexico. Right. So, and, and stop me, Bob, if I'm getting ahead here, but so you, you and I had a conversation uh, a couple weeks ago, and this was something that really, really hit me, something I hadn't really thought of before. You were sharing with me how a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they talk about having a biblical worldview, but they can't really define it. It's like, well, what, right. what does that mean? What, what does that mean to you? And it's, you ask 10 different people, you're going to 10 different answers. And while we all do have the Bible, how we apply that to our approach to the world is, is different. Right. And you could say that that is because we're, we have different talents. And so we, we, we're, we're all involved in the world to different degrees. We, we have different um, different ways that we serve, different ways of outreach and different ways that we witness and so forth. But I like how you've simplified it and just, just broken it down, made it so, so much easier to di- digest. And you can actually visualize it a little bit. And, yes. um so I'm go ahead and just if 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 I'm not getting too far ahead of us, talk about the, oh. these twelve biblical worldviews that you've put together. Okay. Well, you know this is this is uh, a huge problem. I mean, uh, and I, I I tried to describe it um, a little bit. You know, when I gave the example of you know we were trying to mentor at risk youth and how they were in the world and being ex- exposed to all of these. Um, you know, really captivating and, 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 um, you know, the, the world spends billions of dollars creating these, uh, wonderful stories. You know, they, they, they put the most beautiful people on there. They, they scripted and, 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 you know, uh, just, just to use one example, um, you know, there was a story about this young man and, and, and he had a girlfriend and he was trying to decide, you know, how, how intimate to be, be in that relationship and, and, you know, making big decisions as a young person that's going to affect him for the rest of his life. And so he sought out advice in this particular movie. It was a, a trusted adult, a teacher. Mm. And, uh, you know, he, he explains the whole story of how he is really attracted to this young lady and, and the relationship is becoming more intimate and so forth. And, and he asks the teacher for advice. And this teacher says, you know, just follow your heart, you know, just, uh, the answer lies within you and so forth. And, and, you know, we, we chuckle a little bit because we know uh, as humans and, and with our fallen nature that, uh, that was not good advice, you know? And, uh, so, but that's what we're up against, you know, we're up against, um, this secular worldview that is incredibly well organized, incredibly well funded. And as technology 
marches forward, it's almost universal. I mean, you, you can't escape it. And it's just an incredibly powerful force in our society. And there's there's a number of, of, of topics, um, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, like I mentioned, the, the sexuality or, or, or the politics or all these social issues beyond just the, the religious issues that we as Christians usually focus on. And it's all, it's all harmful, you know? And so um, it's, it's almost like hubris to try to say, okay, we can, we can do something to combat this, you know? <clears throat> and and the, the biggest problem is that these lies, uh, you know, you call it a secular worldview or a humanistic worldview, the most difficult thing is they align with our sinful nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they come perfectly natural to us. So, so it is just a huge challenge. Um, and I think we as believers, you know, uh, our, our hope is that, that God is all powerful, that, that his word is true. Um, and we have the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so those are the, what we really need to, to rely upon. But what you're referring to when I when I talk about uh, the b- biblical worldview is, uh, and this is still um, it's it's important to note that this is still a work in process, right? I mean, this is something that you know God laid on my heart a long time ago, and I've been working on many years. It's almost embarrassing, <laughs> but it's just something that you know He's laid on my heart and. Uh, you know, I've developed, I've been trying to develop tools. I'm, I'm a uh, software developer. Uh, so, so programming software and systems becomes very natural to me, but I've been trying to develop tools and I, I've, over the years, I've developed several tools that didn't work, um, or at least did not work well enough to meet my expectations because what I've been trying to develop with, with God's help is something that will have the potential to have a big impact. I mean, like really make a difference in people's lives, um, really empower uh, organizations and really move uh, the needle in a significant way. And um, what, I, what I've uh, uh, finally developed is something that I call um, the foundational values framework. And, um, so it's basically, like you mentioned, an organized way of representing a biblical worldview. It's uh, all based on scripture, um, but I've taken that that biblical worldview and I've divided it down into 12 foundational values. So there's there's some dynamics here um, that you know I could explain maybe in a little bit more detail, but that's that's basically it. Do you mind just running through those those twelve? I, I mean, oh sure. So um, so the idea is um, to organize a biblical worldview in a way that uh, makes sense and is 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 able to, you're able to visualize it. So I like to use the example of the periodic periodic table of elements. Uh, most of us, when we took uh, chemistry or science in school, we we were supposed to memorize all those elements. You know, you start out with hydrogen and helium and and so forth. 
Um, and they were color-coded and well-organized. So I've taken those 12 values and color-coded them and organized them into a grid. And, um, you know, the 12 are truth. And then from truth comes hope and education. Um, value number, the fourth one is, is creator, which is our, our authority structure. And from that comes liberty and justice. And then the seventh value is life, which comes from the spirit. And uh, from that comes faith and family. And then the last column on the right, the 10th value is, is glory, which is our purpose, hmm. is to glorify God in our life. And we do that through our character, which is the 11th value, and work, which is the 12th. So... Um, it's basically taking God's word and applying it to every every area of our lives, and um, so the so the reason we developed the foundational values framework. There's a couple reasons. One is to um, present a well organized biblical worldview. Um, it's a tool that helps the student visualize how these values relate and work together and organize our minds so that we can remember them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just my mind just went blank. No, you're fine. Look, so look at my, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, so, and, and again, mm -hmm. going back to what, what you've gone through, what you've experienced and everything, You've, you've put this together to essentially equip us, not not only the youth, but but even us, as we go out and rub shoulders with, with people that don't know the truth. And we can utilize these things as we, as we interact with others, as we serve others, love others. This yeah, is meant I mean, to be like a guide. Yeah, so... You know, just just having a, a, a standard um, to kind of frame frame the conversation, so to speak. I think there's a few things that I've observed, um, whether it's in a church setting or in a family setting, that there are certain uh, topics that, um, for whatever reason, are controversial. You know, in 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 the church setting, we often say, "Well, we we're not going to discuss." you know, this, this particular topic, because it's, it's, it's political, you know, so it's the label is political, or we're not going to discuss this other topic because it's a social issue. You know, it's not a salvation issue. And so we kind of leave those topics, uh, they're off the table, so to speak. And, and we, we, we focus on uh, scriptures that relate to the spiritual topics that, that we want to discuss in church. And, and what happens is our young people grow up, um, they're, they're getting the secular viewpoint on those topics, but they're not getting the biblical worldview on those topics. And so, um, you know, I feel like we're shortchanging them. You know, uh, everybody should have an opportunity to hear both sides, right? And they definitely should have an opportunity to hear the truth based on God's word before they form an opinion. And, and if we don't, if the church is silent on social issues, political things, then it it drives young people, I believe, to a secular worldview. And um, so so the, the the first part of uh, what I call an invincible biblical worldview um, 
you know, these, these uh, 12 values cover all those topics. So you know, there's, 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 and the reason I say that um, God is very concerned about social issues and, and things, you know, subjects that we might call a political topic um, is because if you look at his concern for the poor and the less fortunate, it's just, it's core to scripture, especially uh, in the Old Testament. Um, but even within Christ's teaching in the New Testament, it's clear that, you know, God is really concerned about the well-being of people, you know, whether, whether it be, you know, how, how uh, the, the way their, their amount of freedom they have or the way their government is structured. So um, that's why, you know, the, the, first, the first requirement I have down for a biblical worldview is, is it, it being complete and applying God's word to every area of our lives. Um, it needs to be clear, well-organized well and consistent. Um, color-coded framework um, and if and if we uh, and we may not agree on all these issues but at least we agree on what subject what the subjects are you know mm -hmm. and I feel like you know even if uh, not everybody agrees on every issue at least we discuss them I think that's really important um, and then in addition to all that um, my requirements for um, this product, if you will, or this this framework, is that it had to be really engaging and fun and exciting for youth. And so that was that was a huge challenge there, uh, because that was what I missed in my earlier products and attempts. Uh, was I, I developed like an online learning platform or something like that, and then I couldn't get anybody to participate in it you know i mean once once you gave the the young person access to the internet internet they were on youtube you know they're on facebook and and you know i i, I literally couldn't pay them to take one of my online courses so um you know trying to develop a system that is just really engaging um was one of my requirements and then uh the fifth one was it had to be self-funding so, you know, there had to be a quote-unquote business model there or a way for this to um, fund itself because uh, that's really an important for someone that's serving. You know, you don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, so to speak. And, um, and the, last, the last one, uh, the, the framework is it's, it's process-oriented. It's, it's, it's a little bit systematic because... Uh, when I talk to um, parents, you know, mature parents who, you know, maybe their children are grown and so forth, and I talk about these issues of of how we help our children develop a biblical worldview, um, they all agree that we could be more systematic about that. And uh, what I mean by that is, like, if you use the analogy of uh, a city wall, so so picture, if you will, uh, that your children are within the city. And you're trying to protect them from the enemy. So you're building a wall around them. And that wall is a um, is one, one section after another. So say there's say there's 12 sections, you know. Each one of those sections would 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 uh, represent one of these key areas of biblical truth. Uh, some of them are easier to talk about than others, 
um, but they're all very important. And we know that our adversary, the devil, is not uh, dumb, right? You know, we're not we're not facing uh, an adversary that um, is just going to be random. You know, he's going to study this wall. He's going to plan. He's going to scheme. He's going to be deceptive and make all sorts of uh, evasive, you know, actions and so forth. And then he's going to attack at that weak point uh, when we least expect it and so forth. So, you know, we, we as parents, um, we want to make sure that there's no gaps in that wall. There's, there's no areas that we have not uh, talked about and, and build up. And like, uh, you know, if, if, we, if we were observing that and we saw that the wall was, you know, 40 foot high in this one area and four foot high in another area, we wouldn't be building the wall where it's 40 foot high. We would be focusing on the wall that's only four foot high. And so with this, with this tool, um, you know, we, we, if you use this tool that we've developed, it allows you to visualize that, you know, sure. you, you, you keep track. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the grand vision of this tool is, you know, it's used in Sunday school, it's used in school, it's used, uh, within the family, uh, it's used along with your friends and you, you can observe which topics we've spent the most time on, which indicates how high the wall is. And it becomes really obvious where we need to spend more time. So that's when I talk about being more systematic. Um, that's, that's what we're talking about. Of course, of course. Now, thank you for, for explaining that. that, that definitely gives the listeners an idea as well as a, a helps them visualize what exactly you've put together. So going back just a little bit when you were talking about how in the church there are those that don't necessarily want to address social or political issues and bringing them into the church, we, we kind of want to save that for outside of the church or, or whatever. What, why is that? Why, why, why is that not... Why don't people like to talk about those issues in the church, whether it's political, social, et cetera? Well, I think there's, personally, I think there's several reasons. Um, you know, the biggest probably is, is that we, we're just trying to avoid controversy, which, you know, if you're trying to get somebody to come to your church or you're trying to develop a relationship with them, uh, it's, it's perfectly understandable. I mean, the, the first thing you don't want to do is bring up some something they're going to uh, perceive as being was blatantly political. Sure. Right. Sure. Uh, but I do feel like uh, also when you're trying to reach someone, I mean, you you have to you have to be real. Like if 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 uh, someone comes from the world and and they're really concerned about you know all these things that the world pushes, like you know social justice or. Uh, and I don't even know all the terminology, but you know, there's the, the, the environment and all this. Mm. I mean, um, there, there's a secular viewpoint on all those issues, and it's 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 uh, not God honoring. I mean, generally speaking, it's 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 180 degrees opposed to the truth. And the Bible talks about all those things. The Bible talks about social justice. Mm. It talks about solutions to that. It talks about the environment and so forth. And if and if we never present those alternatives then, like I said before, they, they will not uh, be impressed. 
right? I mean, it's like, well, the Bible doesn't answer any of my questions. So they'll, so they'll default I? to the whatever the secular worldview is. They'll default to that. Yeah, and they'll see the church as being almost totally irrelevant yeah. to them. It doesn't. It doesn't speak to them at all. And so, you know, you have to balance those those needs. Another major problem is a lot of the people in the church. I mean, they they uh, they generally will have a, a biblical worldview in most areas, but in some of these areas, they won't even be prepared or even know what the Bible says on that because we don't ever talk about it. So, um, you know, I mean, uh, the number of people in the church that have a complete biblical worldview, I would say is, is less than half Mm. because what happens is, is, um, you know, we're not talking about these issues and they're, they're very important issues, even though they might not be a salvation issue. Um, they're very important. Um, they're in the news all the time. So, you know, I go to church and I hear uh, spiritual uh, instruction, and then throughout the week, if I'm uh, consuming any sort of media, media from the world, whether it's news or, or, or documentaries or, or movies or whatever, um, you know, I'm being constantly fed propaganda about these other issues. And so the likelihood that I'll be deceived or misled on some of these is very great. So uh, that's another reason why we don't present it is because we don't all agree. Yeah. So there's there's some that are totally convinced, uh, you know, on on some of these um, <clears throat> like social or or and, and and so we you know it's it's very difficult to discuss that within the church because um, I don't know if, if I'm biased or, or not being fair when I make this observation, but typically the people who are convinced that the secular worldview is correct are very int- intolerant mm. of the truth. And so, um, whereas, you know, Christians who, who believe the Bible um, tend to be a lot more tolerant of the secular viewpoint. So... And it's perfectly all right to disagree, and I think that's that's only natural, even with um, within the church, the church family. I'll say that's very natural, and I think that's something that we. And I don't know. I don't think this is necessarily preached anywhere, but it, it's like a thing where, well, if since we all go to church together, we we should all agree. And it's like, well, no, you're you're all individuals with with different upbringings and. Yeah different skills, different, different talents and all that, and different perspectives. Absolutely. And just take, take your life experience, for example, Bob. I mean, you probably don't run into very many people that have gone through what you've gone through and, and lived through. And, and so that's, that in of itself is going to mold your, your, the way you believe in your opinions. And, but my whole point is, is it's okay to disagree within the church. I think people need to accept that. I think people, just because people disagree within the church doesn't mean that, that doesn't take away from truth. It doesn't, uh, well, and I guess I need to be careful how I say that. It, 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 with the topics that you and I are talking about right now, we're not talking about doctrine and salvation issues. We're talking specifically about social, political issues, etc. Those types of topics, it is okay to disagree. What What's not okay 
is if they get swept under the rug or, or set aside because nobody wants to ruffle feathers, nobody wants to address the elephant in the room. You're never going to have unity in the church, in the church family. You're never going to have, frankly, you're never going to have true love in the church. What, what, is, what is love? Well, it's loving people in spite of differences, in spite of disagreements, in spite of different perspectives. And how can you truly say you love your brother if you're not willing to hear him out or hear his side of the story and respectfully disagree? So, and I, it, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to bring controversial topics into the church. It's much easier to just say, yeah, leave, leave that outside of the church. Much easier to do that. But then to your point, Bob, are we doing them a disservice by not equipping them with should we then be shocked if when these topics do come up that everybody disagrees, if we're not equipping them with how we should approach these issues, if we're not doing that, we should not be shocked if everybody has their own unique opinion on how we should approach this. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. I mean, um, you know, these are opportunities to practice love and grace and patience and listening and, and, um, you know, we're supposed to earnestly contend for the faith. Um, and um, I like to use the example from James chapter 2. Um, you know, it talks about how we're supposed to be compassionate and, um, and care for one another. And, and it talks about meeting physical needs. And, you know, it gives the example of the believers who, you know, said, you know, God bless you, be warmed and filled and so forth. And sometimes I think when we when we just gloss over these really important, uh, you know, topics that maybe maybe aren't uh, spiritual topics, but they're you know applying God's word to uh, social and uh, questions and so forth. You know, if we if we're leaving that out, we're just kind of like, oh, be warmed and filled. You know, we're not really uh, providing a a biblical worldview that's complete. And it's def definitely is challenging, especially with some topics. But um, you know, the, um, my hope is that this framework, you know, it just it just raises the topic. It 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 opens it up for discussion. Um, you know, I feel like the secular worldview is is very well known. You know, so if we can present a, a, a biblical point of view, and then and then work through that, you know, then then you let the Holy Spirit work, right? Because we know that it's it's really God's work, and um, uh, if if we're humble, you know, we can we can draw cl closer to God and, and and have His grace, and and I, I feel like learn the truth. But will we ever agree on on everything? Obviously not. But uh, that's that's where you can still uh, love your brother and and um, and uh, be gracious. You know, the the word love has been brought up a couple of times already in this conversation, and that's what you hear a lot from the church in general is love. And I think, while of, of course that's true, how we approach these matters needs to be rooted in, in love, but then also, also truth. The response that I've gotten when I bring up these 
political or social issues in, in different circles is uh, that that's kind of the that, that's kind of the cop out answer that I get sometimes it's like like well we're just supposed to love them or we're supposed to people whether it's people that disagree with us people that are that are living in sin and are doing doing terrible things that go against the Bible or whatever or that that harm others like well we, we, we're just supposed to love them and then it kind of uh, puts a pin in the conversation. It's like, well, obviously, that's not that's not the question. And then they then the conversation kind of fizzles out, and we don't get anywhere. It's like, well, that's that doesn't help me know how to approach this matter. That doesn't tell me I know I should love this individual that is promoting something that is against God's word, that is against truth. I know that, but how? What, what do I need to do? How do I, and um, how do I combat this evil narrative that's being pushed? And I say that word combat, and, the, and uh, that, that would bother some people to hear that because it's like, well, well that's, that's not loving if you're, if you're trying to go against this narrative. It's like, well, but, but um, if we truly are also standing on truth and justice, at what point do we take a stand and say, I'm sorry, but you're wrong? And, and, and here's an alternative. Here's a biblical alternative. And you could say that to a misled Christian, and you can say that to someone who's not yet a believer trying to push their agenda, their own religion. And so, like I, the social justice movement is a, is a religion of its own. I, I do right. believe that. And like you said, that's being pushed in our face every day. And at some point, well, I think we're, we're past the point, but we need to stand up and say, no, this is, this is wrong. And here's a better way. Now, how we say this is wrong, obviously we need to be tactful about that and, and all that. I'm not saying we blatantly but, but we need to tell them this is wrong and point them to another direction. But as far as how we go about that, I think we can do that in a way of love. My in my where I'm, what I'm getting at here is we as the church are letting a lot of things slide. We're letting truth slide in the name of love. Right. Would you agree with that, Bob? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, you mentioned social social justice. So let's let's just look at a couple of these examples, uh, just real briefly, because it's they're very complex. But, you know, God is very concerned about social justice. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's, it's core to scripture, but um, it, it would, uh, his approach to it would be completely different from the world's approach. Like, um, you know, the, the social justice movement says that, you know, people are oppressed because of their skin color or because they're in some sort of a geographic. And I look at that whole situation and I say, that is just so wrong because what has, what has happened is, um, and I won't get, we don't need to get into all the details, but you know, my point of view would be that, yes, there's definitely oppression. You know, there, there's definitely systems that oppress, but it is, it's, has very little to do with any of these demographic, uh, you know, whether you, whether race or, or any sort of demographics. It's simply 
you know, there's there's systems that are in place that are oppressive, and there's there's people in power, and then there's the rest of us, right? And we're we're oppressed, and so it's just kind of infuriating to see the majority of the world believe that they're oppressed uh, because of race, when that is the propaganda, and that is the narrative that the people in power, um, who are the oppressors <laughs> in these systems. Um, have propagated. So in other words, the people who are guilty of the oppression blame the people for the oppression, right? They blame they blame you and me because of our skin color or whatever. And so, you know, uh, if we never talk about that, and like I said, we may not agree on, on those things perfectly, but there is a biblical worldview, and you can read about it. You, 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 there's probably a hundred different scriptures that talk about people who are oppressed and how they oppress and it's generally associated with these uh, these systems you know just um uh and it's, it's usually not a, a blatant form of oppression it's just it's simply you know how, how how it's set up you know we have mm-hmm. we have lawyers that charge really high fees and then those those costs are passed on to insurance companies and then all of us pay you know exorbitant insurance rates and our healthcare is real expensive and and so uh there there's uh and that's just one example of of oppression you have um uh, environmentalism you know i mean forcing people to pay three four or five times more for the electricity is a burden that falls upon the poor and middle class more than the wealthy um and and we're paying all these expenses uh and tax and higher taxes for this environmental agenda which many people don't even believe is 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 justified so um those are forms of oppression and it has nothing to do with race it has nothing to do with with your demographic um uh and i i feel like that's all legitimate and 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 should be discussed um Another example would be um, uh, fatherhood. Hmm. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of propaganda and about the overpopulation and so forth. And so you, you talk to a young person like, "Well, I'm not going to get married. You know, I'm not going to have a family because you know we're overpopulated already." And and you know these these uh, secular ideas, these worldly ideas, are contrary to scripture. And so you know we need to be encouraging young people to get married and have families uh because if if we don't you know like i said if they don't have that vision uh then you know they're just gonna fall back on the secular viewpoint so let me ask you this bob has the church become too passive um well, you're talking about the capital C church, right? I mean, you're not. Yes. You're not oh, yes. My church or your church or, um, uh, you know, I mean, it is the 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 job. I'll say this: the job of the church is huge, uh, f- facing overwhelming opposition, like we talked before, extremely difficult. Um, too passive. Um, I would say so in in when you consider the 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 commandment to be salt and light. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. uh, would would you agree that the church the or I'm sorry, would you agree that the world is getting darker? Absolutely. 
So, so whose job is it to shine the light? It's ours. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't blame the world. You can't blame people that don't have the light. If, if the church, you know, has a light, which is the word of God, then it's our job to shine it. We can't blame somebody else. So, uh, you know, I don't want to be, be, be too critical, but, uh, you know, I, I look at what, what I'm trying to do and, and, and I'm sure other people feel the same way that have this passion is we're trying to, you know, lift up the church to support the church, hold up, you know, I think it was Aaron that, uh, I forget now who it was that we, uh, we were holding up their arms, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forget their names too, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have the verse here. Um, when Moses arms grew tired, they stood beside him and held up his arms. That's in Exodus 17. So, um, yeah, like I said, I feel like, uh, you know, many, uh, wonderful you know believers don't have a complete biblical worldview you know many many of us understandably are uh somewhat confused i mean there's a there's a certain number of of church goers that are just living in idolatry quite frankly only living for themselves you know it's it's just an outward thing um there are many in the church that have a biblical worldview but keep it to themselves you know they don't want Mm -hmm. to any waves or yeah. I know uh, I've been criticized, uh, you know, perhaps I didn't go about it the right way, but, you know, I'll make comments uh, publicly and then, uh, you know, you, you, you get hammered for it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, uh, well, who do you think you are? Why would you say that? And, you know, the people that don't agree with you, uh, generally, like I said, don't, aren't very tolerant of the truth. And, um, and then there's, there's, there's a number who, uh, you know, pray and and ask God for opportunities and and are really uh, trying to apply God's word to every area of our lives um, I'm thinking you know of our of our veterans you know there's there's some veterans that just are really um, you know they, they understand that freedom's not free and they see the freedom slip, slipping away and they they're very passionate about uh, trying to teach us that freedom's not free you know they paid a huge price for that and and, you know our generation we've grown up in relative peace and so many blessings that you know quite frankly we just take for granted and um another key point about these foundational values is just understanding you know how important they are as as a foundation for a stable society you know that um building in Florida, it collapsed uh, a year ago as a Champlain Tower South. You know, it, it had flaws in its foundation and it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a hundred people in there that died in the middle of the night when that 12 story tower just pancaked, you know, and that's, that's a scary analogy of um, what can happen to society when the foundation decays, you know, there can be a, a sudden collapse. So I feel like, um, you know, restoring that, that foundation. And, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a critical, critically important, 
mission. Bob, what if I came to you and said, Bob, you're, you're getting way too worked up about these issues. Um, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't care about government lockdowns and mandates. You shouldn't worry about who's the president. You shouldn't worry about liberty slipping away. We're only on this world for a season. This world is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. And um, we should just focus on making sure that we're ready, that our hearts are right, and showing love to others and leave it at that. What, what would you say to somebody like that? Well, I, I you know, I've had those... Uh, discussions with you know people I, I i love and esteem um i call it the only jesus approach <laughs> okay they'll, they'll use those words you know it's, it's only jesus mm-hmm. and uh, you know i i do think that that is is the most important right um but i don't feel like that's effective evangelism <clears throat> it's it's definitely not being salt and light uh it's not it's in my opinion, not earnestly contending for the gospel. It's not being compassionate, you know, to the, to the, you know, needs and the, um, you know, the, the concerns of our fellow man. Um, I don't think that our church should be involved in politics. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be right to, you know, for the church to do, you know, political drives and try to get out the vote and, you know, tell people how to vote and so forth. Um, but I do feel like uh, we need to uh, look at the whole counsel of God's word. Uh, you know, we, we can be so easily misled. You know, you talked about lockdowns and mandates and stuff. I, I saw a real, a real focus on Romans chapter 13. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, well, uh, yeah, let's let's read Romans chapter thirteen. It, it it probably applies to the situation, but it's not the only scripture that applies. You know, I mean, if we just if we just focus on, you know, one chapter and read it over and over again, but don't consider any, you know, there's fifteen other chapters that apply too. Um, then you know that's not that's not a good approach. And so you know, multitude of counselors, there's safety. All these issues are extremely important, um, even if they're not salvation issues. And so, um, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna be salt and light, you have to address the concerns of of society. You have to apply God's word to all those situations. Um, not easy, because we are head to head spiritual conflict with the world, and on each one of these issues, you have a, a secular viewpoint that is extremely well funded, uh, extremely well organized and uh, you know, universally available. So um, I don't know. Did that answer your question? I'm No, no, no. It, it, I, no, that was, that was good. It kind of leads me to some other questions. Uh, it was okay I ask you this. Are, do, yeah. you su- do you support Christians voting? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I, I always say that... Uh, uh, that voting is the worst thing you can do, <laughs> but it's kind of a joke because, um, you know, that that's what I mean by that is that is like the least that you the can least do. that you can do. Sure. I 
I mean, if, if you can't vote, then, you know, you're not, you're not doing anything at all, but I mean, quit, the, quit complaining. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just the first step. I look at voting as a, as a distraction, hmm. uh, a way to appease the populace and make them feel like they did their part. Um, but it's, it's basically nothing. It's meaningless. I mean, uh, but like, I remember when I forget who who was Mitt Romney running against uh, Obama. We were we were in Mexico at the time. Okay, you mean you mean uh, as, as so against other as far as like a Democrat or a, uh, a Republican. So Mitt Romney was running for president, and I think he was running against Obama. We were in Mexico at the time, and I made the comment, yeah. you know, I would on my hands and knees to vote for Mitt Romney, and I didn't like Mitt Romney. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I don't even remember the circumstances, but but uh, I didn't feel right about Obama being president, so that's why I was voting against him. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I mean, I just feel like um, you know the, the passion behind these uh, foundational values is is to create a tool that anybody can use. Uh, if a lot of people use this tool, we we align our efforts, we have much more impact. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're framing the conversation, um, and, and, and there's a lot of other tools, uh, along with this that, that, that I've been working on, um, that will hopefully empower God's people to have an even greater impact for God's glory, um, and be able to be, you know, salt that preserves the culture, you know, shine the light of truth. Um, so that more people can be drawn to Christ. And hopefully if, then the whole point of what you're saying here, Bob, is if we can share these foundational, this biblical worldview, hopefully we don't disagree as much. We talked earlier about how a lot of these issues are controversial, political, social, and, and so on. And But hopefully if, if we can share this biblical worldview, there's less disagreement, there's less conflict. And so we can actually bring those, it's easier to bring those things into the church uh, because we can we can have a more common perspective. And, and then also, you, you were talking about the, the various tools, and some would say, well, all I need is the Bible. It's like, well, yes, of course, but that, like those those 12 uh, foundation, what did you, I'm sorry, what did you call them, the, the foundational Foundational values. The foundational values. Those those are built on scripture, each each and every one of them. And I I want to make that that clear to anyone listening. Yeah, basically with the foundational values, um, you know, we want to leave room for the Holy Spirit to work. So, you know, I'm 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 giving a scriptural basis, I'm I'm just a brief explanation, and then I list, you know, a number of topics for discussion. Um, you know, and, and then articles to provide you know the biblical point of view um but it's basically an outline you know like i said and then a system that keeps track of when we've when we've talked about these topics with our children or those we mentor over time so that we can get that visual perspective of their of their you know where they are as far as being protected from some of these worldly influences going back to what you said about um agreeing you know, uh, Wendell Goodman, who's a was a wonderful mentor in my life, um, and he's since passed on, right? Right. 
Yeah, he he would often say, um, "Reasonable brethren, equally informed, seldom dis disagree." And so that's you know the whole using the whole counsel of God's word. We all have different perspectives, um, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Um, you know, we we all when we you know humbly, lovingly discuss uh, controversial topics, uh, learn. We 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 all. Um, our, our viewpoints are refined and, and reinforced and, and and made better, you know. And 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 like I said, we, we rely upon the Holy Spirit and and God's love to to uh, mold us. Mm -hmm. I think the challenge is um, in in the in the world we live in today, uh, the the propaganda uh, is just overwhelming, and so. Um, you know, there, there, there are people that, that if you try to tell them, you know, if they, if they are really been, uh, you know, brainwashed might be too harsh of a term, but they've really been convinced that, that the secular worldview is right. You know, they're very passionate about that. It is extremely difficult to talk to them. Yeah. They, they, they typically will just, uh, not listen. And, um, you know, they, they may even, uh, yeah, uh, express, uh, anger and so forth against you, uh, but it's, it's I've, I've seen it happen. It's just a stubborn unwillingness to to even discuss it. So it's 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 definitely a challenge. Do you mind talking a little bit about, a, a little bit about Romans thirteen and and I'll let you. I know that's you and I have talked about this before, and it's it's a controversial subject. So I'll let you take that as far as you want to, but. Um, Do you feel like Christians take that the wrong way a little bit, or or misuse Romans thirteen a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, with with respect to COVID, you know, what we went through there, and and maybe maybe it, you know, I'm, I'm sure it applies to other issues that we've been through before. I mean, um, you know, the way I look at it, and and when you consider, like I said, the whole counsel of God's word, I mean. Uh, government is a necessary evil. Um, you know, I mean, I have a lot of compassion for people who work in government. I mean, talk about a, a difficult job. I mean, government would be easy if everybody was a true believer and 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 you know just was doing the right thing. But you know, we are we are sheep. Uh, we are rebellious. Uh, you know, the, uh, we are hard to govern, right? And so, you know, the people in government are are asked to do almost impossible task, and yet, and then they're they're corrupt. You know, they they have a sinful nature, and they you know money corrupts and so forth. So it's just uh, that's why I say government is a necessary evil, um, very difficult situation, and and that's why you know God set up His authority. You know, He He is first. The government is under God, and then we're we're supposed to respect the authority. Of the government that is given by God. So, um, that having said that, um, as uh, the the what where I, what I read in the Scripture is, as long as the government is rewarding people for doing good and punishing people for doing bad, we are supposed to obey the government. But 
um, when the government starts to punish people for doing good and reward people for doing bad, we are supposed to obey God. And um, so with, with the, the situation with COVID, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at uh, our government that supports, uh, you know, sexual immorality. It, it's, it's, it's a, you know, huge supporter of uh, Planned Parenthood and, and abortion, and it's extremely corrupt. I mean, just just the, the the amount of money that our government handles is is absurd, and you know, it's just hundreds of billions of dollars to the most powerful and wealthy people. Uh, you talk about you know big tech, big pharma, big education, you know, all these uh, corrupt systems. Um, you know, uh, COVID was just feeding all that, right? And so I was, I'm just very uh, skeptical of the government or anything that, that you'd see in the major media. Like, um, and I, I feel like, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously biased by my experience and, and my past and so forth, but I think everybody should think just like I do, right? <laughs> I mean, if you hear something on, on CNN or, or some of these secular media outlets and they say, uh, uh, apples are the best fruit or whatever, then you should immediately believe as a starting point that apples are the worst fruit, right? You just, just take 180 degrees of what they said and believe that and then let them convince you otherwise, you know? And so the government, to the extent that it's it's corrupt, you, you, you take the same approach. You know, the government says we need to give the IRS more, more power and more money and more employees. Then you should oppose that because that's what the government said. And then if you can find a scriptural reason to go along with the government, then that's maybe a policy that, that you could support. And um, so that's, that's kind of how I uh, approach politics. And, and um, you know, every now and then, you know, uh, you'll, you'll see something that the government does that is beneficial, you know, like uh, uh, interstate highway system, uh, trying to think if there's anything else. Generally, the government's good at blowing things up, uh, <laughs> destroying whatever it gets close to. Um, they're really good at war and killing millions of people. Mm -hmm. But the government's not good at a whole lot of things that are beneficial. Um, but there are there are some things, and I know that there's a lot of good people that work in government, and they're trying very hard. And and so to the extent that that government is aligns with what is right, you know, God's authority, we should be supportive. You know, it was really sad seeing that the, the church family turn against each other during COVID. And, uh, but at the same time, I think it brought to light issues that needed to be dealt with. And, and I'm. This might be sharing a little too much of my own my own personal opinions here, but I feel like some Christians they they took they took the mandates and the the lockdowns and stuff as an opportunity to flaunt their righteousness, and not. And when I say that, like their their compliance 
was a way to flaunt their righteousness. In other words, virtue signaling. Yeah. And and I'm and then they would when you would challenge them about it, they would they would quote Romans thirteen or the the verses in Romans thirteen. And their justification being, Well, I'm I'm obeying the Bible and you should be and you should too. And that bothered me a lot because there is so much harm that these lockdowns and, and mandates it was harming people. It was killing people, really, is what it was doing. And and I, I need to be careful because I don't want to sound too extreme. And I'm not that there's it, it was you know just when you we, we look back at all the suicides, the the domestic abuse cases, like how much that was on the rise due to the lockdowns and and the um, psychological effects that just having your face covered all the time, what that did to kids and, and all those things. And, um, that's what I'm referring to when I say like, like people, like it was killing people. And, um, and yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking that a little too far, but my whole point is, is we just need to be careful when we, we, um, pull, pull scriptures out and use it to justify our actions, and especially if it's if it's merely to adjust to to rationalize our own agenda or or, or to make us look better. Because hey, look, we're we're complying. You should be like me. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I spoke with people in in, in in leadership, you know, and and really questioned their approach, you know, their response to uh, that whole that whole uh, thing early on, and you know, they they sincerely believe that you know, going along with the government was, was to doing the right thing because, you know, they were trying to save lives and so forth. And we just didn't have the same skepticism of government. I mean, I'm, I'm like, my whole life has been just observing the insanity of these decisions government makes, you know, it was like in the seventies, uh, it was, it was the coming ice age. Mm. You know, I remember in third grade reading about how, you know, we we're all going to freeze to death and so forth. And then, you know, I mean, fast forward a couple of decades and now, you know, the earth is boiling. It's yeah. just, you know, die from a heat wave. And, you know, just, just, uh, uh, I remember the H1N1, you know, I mean, depending yep. on who's, on, who's president or who's in office, you know, they make these epidemics into, you know, just terrify everyone. And, uh, so, and we really didn't know, uh, as far as, uh, COVID, um, if it was going to be extremely deadly. Um, but I think, you know, if you have a, a biblical worldview, uh, you're extremely skeptical one, um, skeptical second, in regards to like, uh, mainstream media, whatever agenda is coming yeah, out of Washington, when you see big pharma, big tech, uh, big government, uh, the media all align on something. I mean, you, <laughs> if that's not, if red, red, lights and bells aren't going off i mean something's wrong and uh you know we we didn't know but i was almost 100 percent sure that this was just uh you know way for the government to grab more power and you know it's going to be corrupt and it was going to be extremely harmful and you know unfortunately uh, that's the way it's turned out um you know like god, god made us with an immune system and and so our 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 initial reaction should be, I'm going to trust God, you know, rather than some new experimental medicine, you know, 
And, uh, you know, that's been, that's been proven out. I mean, people who relied upon uh, their, their natural immunity that God gave them, you know, ha that, that has, you know, proven to be uh, very effective. So, um, and at the same time, you don't, you don't discount, you don't just, you don't discard modern medicine. You don't discard technology. I mean, you're a software developer. Right. So you, you, you feel that there is time to, to utilize the, the, the tools that we have before us, but I, I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, so, you know, I mentioned corruption systems earlier. We have, we have all, all these systems, you know, I could be very critical of the legal system, the health healthcare system. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good in them as well. You know, especially when you go to the, down to the, the doctor level, you know, the, the teacher level, these are people that you know fear God and are doing their best to serve Him within these systems, and um, you know just um, unfortunately there's just a certain level of corruption in, in the higher levels that that are just part of that. So um, it it just it makes it very complicated. But um, you know so I, I I trust people within the medical field, but when these when these people were telling me that that we needed to mask up and, 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 you know, uh, you know, you had to take the vaccine and so forth rather than say, you know, leave, leave that as a choice, you know, um, uh, that, that was, that was a, that was a scary thing, you know, to think that, you know, people that didn't want to take the experimental medicine, which is against, you know, even international human rights laws, uh, Nuremberg code and all that, we're losing their jobs yeah. and, and, and so forth. So it was just, it was just an extreme situation there. And, um, you know, we hit, we had a choice to, uh, be, um, ruled by fear or by faith. And I remember, uh, uh, when I, when I got COVID, um, you know, the, the second day I was, I really felt sick. Yeah. So you, thought, so you did get it. Yeah, I got it uh, in October of that first year, and uh, I, I had been very outspoken, you know, on, uh, you know, that I, I personally didn't trust the vaccine and so forth, which uh, I do feel like it's a personal choice. If somebody wanted to get it, they could, but um, I was just very skeptical for the reasons I stated, and, and so then I got COVID, and in the second day, I was felt very sick, and I thought, man. It'd just be my luck. You know, this thought came to me. It'd just be my luck. I've died, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, immediately I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. I says, luck, not, luck has nothing to do with this, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you, are, you, you placed your faith in me for life. You placed your faith in me for death. Hmm. And so from that point on, I had a, a piece about it, and I recovered really rapidly after that. Um but, you know, there's just there's just no diff, no guarantee. We we need need to trust in God for everything good, and then you know if it's if it's our time to go. Um, but I felt like you know the the church as a whole lost the opportunity to demonstrate faith in that. I, I know there was an interview I saw of an Amish gentleman, and there was a there was a reporter who had a very secular worldview. It was kind of interrogating this Amish, and you know they'd say. You know, did you, what kind of a response did you have to COVID? And he says, well, we, 
you know, we went to church and we had communion and, you know, we didn't change a thing. And a lot of the congregation got sick and so forth. And it was over in about two months. There's a few people that died. And, uh, I mean, they, they basically ignored it completely, yeah. uh, in their community. And, um, after two months, nobody was sick and nobody died. And, uh, the reporter was like, so you, um, have you been vaccinated? You know, have you got your booster and, and, and are you practicing social distancing? And, you know, the answer was always no. Uh, and so, uh, I don't know. I just, and, 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 and the, and the answer was always faith, right? Not fear. I was just going to say, there's two F words there. And it was disappointing to see the church just fall in line with the fear. To, to buy into the fear that was being pushed. That was very disappointing to me because um, if anybody should not be afraid, it's, it's the church. It's, it's, it's said countless times in Scripture, and like you said, we're, well, going back to what you said earlier, Bob, in that, you know, you, you were ready to die and, and, and you had faith and so forth, and I don't think that, I didn't take that as you were saying, well, I'm, you weren't, you weren't going to protect yourself or use common sense in any way to avoid getting sick. I'm not just saying like in respect to COVID, but in general, you do things to protect yourself and keep yourself healthy and so forth. And I don't think you were saying you were against that, but what you were saying is you weren't, you're not afraid. You're not afraid of getting sick. You're not afraid of harm coming to you. And that was just what was really disappointing is, is so much of this, it, it was really all, when I say it, I'm referring to you know you know the COVID frenzy, the lockdowns, the mandates. It was all rooted in fear. It was rooted in a message of fear, and that's what really bothered me. Is is as Christians were falling for it. If anybody yeah. should not be afraid, it, it should be us. Right. Oh, you're right. I mean, we I was taking vitamin C and 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 uh, zinc. Mm-hmm. I uh, was getting lots of rest and drinking lots of water. And, you know, if there were other medications that uh, had proven to be reliable, you know, I would have, I would have taken those. It was just, you know, the idea of, uh, of all of these secular organizations lining up to push this agenda and p- to push this vaccine and to, and to push their um, lockdowns and so forth. That's what really turned me off. It was just uh, uh, an alarm, an alarm went off. A rule for myself is whatever individual or organization or party is telling me to be afraid, that's the one I'm not going to trust. <laughs> and I mean that seriously. Like whoever is telling you to be afraid, that is someone who doesn't love you. That is someone. Well, it's also someone who doesn't have uh, faith. And yeah. why should I? How as a Christian can I trust someone who doesn't have faith? And yeah, there's a the fine line between being aware or wary and, yeah. and fearful. There's a fine line between those two. I think as a Christian, I can be aware and, and, and wary of, of the evil that is out there, but I don't have to be afraid of it. Yeah, I would agree. Bob, tell us about your, tell us about your website, the, the resources that you have that people can go and find out more about these, these 12 foundational values. Okay, well, um, like I said, I'm a software developer. I really struggle with marketing, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking for a partner to help me with marketing. Um, I feel like we have some good 
ideas, some good uh, tools that have a lot of potential. Um, I have a website that I've set up to um, try to start promoting these um, these products that are available currently. Um, and so the um, one of the one of the keys I spoke about earlier was making this all very exciting and engaging for young people. So I've I've called it I'm calling it another voyage. So and the, the another voyage is like this biblical worldview adventure because we need to make it fun and exciting. And so um, another term I use is on boy, which is the short version of another voyage. So I take the A N the V O Y and that's onboy.com. So that's where you can go to uh, see some presentations, informations about these. Uh, basically, it's a biblical worldview adventure. I'm using the foundational values framework in there. Um, and um, there, there are several tools that you can start to use and, 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 and products you can purchase. The way I'm planning to set this up is like, um, uh, more like a membership fee where you know a person can go and if it's something they want to support they can pay you know decide if they want to pay you know $25 a month or whatever they want to put into this and then that will fund this um, educational experience because um, in order to make these values uh, important and exciting for youth I've set up this uh, virtual world which I call Envoy. So once again, I'm using that another voyage, um, and another the, the another voyage is like every time that God's people suffered persecution, they came together and they took a voyage. So you know whether it's uh, they they the Exodus or you know they left Babylon or you know you're you're talking about our most recent ancestors how they left Europe and came to the United States, it was a voyage you know and it was very perilous typically you know the, the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. I mean. To come to America, you you risked your life in two months on the open Atlantic, you know. So it's a perilous journey, but it's also um, potentially very beneficial. So so that's where I came up with this another voyage name because that's what we're doing right now. We're we're not sailing off to a vision uh, virgin land, but we are sailing off to a virtual land that we call Envoy, and Envoy is a world where God is honored, and these 12 foundational values are key. So we have a stock market in Envoy, and we have 12 stocks, and, and each one of the foundational values is a stock. And you know, young people can go in there and create their own portfolio of these values. And uh, the idea is, um, you know, truth should be valuable. And uh, I mean, this, this is kind of a crazy concept, but uh, if you think about it, uh, today, uh, what what is valuable? We can we can invest in land. We can invest in cryptocurrencies. Uh, a lot of these things that that there's really no um, well with land. Land we we feel pretty con concrete value there. But a lot of these other currencies and and things that you can invest with technology these days, it, it's not backed by anything. It's just a concept. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, abstract. And so we're saying that. These 12 values are extremely valuable, and everybody should have their own portfolio. And so that's one of the ways we can tell how invested our young people are in these different foundational values. So um, it's something that 
you know, adults can do with children, you know, well, how's, how's your portfolio? Let's check that out. You know, it's, oh, it went up, you know, or, oh, it went down. And so it's, it's not a real investment in, in terms of uh, like you'd invest in IBM stock or something like that, but it, but it's, it's simulated and it works the same way within this virtual world of Envoy. And then the plan is uh, over time as children and youth build their portfolio values that they will go up in value and then when they hit certain milestones in their life, you know, whether it's graduation from high school, a birthday, uh, they get married, they buy a house or they have their first child, we are going to allow them to uh, cash in some of those values if they want to and actually take out real money. So, uh, we'll, you know, the vision is to reward uh, young people for honoring God. Hmm. And so adults can also create... Um, portfolios i mean we're not we're not gonna this is not for profit or for speculation so we're not going to allow somebody to say well i want to invest a million dollars you know um so it's it's a membership fee right and then that louise funds to create this this uh the stock market and um so it's 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 a membership fee it's not a real investment and yet those uh you can buy values right now for like 0. 0.0001. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our vision is for those values over time to gradually go up in value. And, um, you know, that so that would be exciting, right? So uh, a youth can, you know, take $100 and turn it into uh, $10,000 or whatever. And as the years go by, and then they can look forward to that reward when they get married. Yeah. Um, and, and an adult can do the same thing, uh, create a portfolio, and then uh, if it goes up in value, they can donate that to charity. They can leave it as a, a God-honoring inheritance to their heirs, or if they have a special need like medical emergency or whatever, um, they could also uh, use those funds. So um, that's the vision for uh, making these foundational values valuable. So, um, like I said, it's a little bit of a crazy concept, but I mean, you think about it, if, if you get a large number of believers to say, okay, it's not a real investment, it's, it's a virtual world, it's, it's, it's these, these uh, values are not necessarily backed by a real asset, but uh, they can provide real, real benefits, it makes it exciting. And so I think it can make a statement in the world that the world can't ignore. That's amazing. And uh, Bob, I'll, I'll be sure and put your website in, in the show notes of this episode and everything so people can can view that, can access that. And is there um, a way that if someone has, has, I'm sure those listening may have questions and so forth and may want to reach out to you. Is there an email or something that, that you would be okay with us putting in the show notes that people can contact you if they have questions? Yeah, my email is bob at envoy.com. So b-o-b at a-n-v-o-y.com. Perfect, perfect. And like I said, we'll put that in, in the show notes with your website. And if anybody has questions, they can they can connect with you. Because um, I'm sure even just with what you've shared today, that I, I just knowing your mind, Bob, that just kind of scratches the surface. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more to this, isn't there? Well, 
there's a lot of work to do. That's for sure. I mean, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, content is a big, big thing. Like, uh, uh, one thing that's exciting about making these values valuable is, you know, there, there's a limited number of shares and so forth, but as we issue new shares of this, these, these values, uh, in forms of shares of stock and so forth, it has the potential to generate lots of funds. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the system we've created, it's all open book. It's all, there's a lot of accountability and, and, uh, our vision is for the majority of these funds to go to, you know, nonprofit organizations, uh, people who either work, you know, part-time or full-time in promoting these values. So, um, you know, we hope to fund, um, this, uh, movement, if you will, mm -hmm. of people participating in this, um, biblical worldview adventure. Um, so, uh, that's all in the early stages. You know, we, I would be glad to talk to any organization that wanted to, uh, participate in that. And, um, so, or, you know, like, uh, if, if, if anybody wants to purchase values, now, now's the time. Mm -hmm. Prices are low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Bob, is, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? Uh, I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. We covered a lot, a lot of different topics. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited about, you know, the opportunity to, to be a part of this, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a big vision. And I definitely need help. So I don't know if I made that clear, but um, anybody that wants to participate, there's various roles that you can play. Obviously, you can be a student, you can be a parent. Um, there's a teaching role that I call a captain. So as you take another voyage, and we're using this ship analogy, um, you could be a captain of your own ship. You know, and that's somebody that works directly with youth to use these tools to mentor them. Um, you know, as adults, we can help support by becoming members and and building our own portfolio, helping young people build their portfolio. And there's even another role called a, a shipping company, which is, uh, you know, for larger organizations that want to help market the whole concept. So various, many different roles for, for people to um, fill. And again, if anybody has, has additional questions on this, just we'll we'll have the Bob's contact information in in the show notes. So please please reach out to him. But Bob, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate you being willing to come on the show today and just be vulnerable, share your your convictions, your passion. And I know, as as you've shared with me, you've gotten some some pushback for how outspoken you've been on different issues. And um, I, I I I always respect any, but even if I, even if I disagree with someone's perspective I, I appreciate someone being willing to be vulnerable and share how they truly feel um you know, being being genuine and and passionate is is something that i will i'll always i'll always respect uh, and and i sense your not only your, your passion but just how much this this means to you this is something that's important to you and and you want others to be aware of this and i i, I respect that a lot well, thank you, Lennon, for the opportunity to 
uh, share with you. And um, yeah, I I hope I'm humble and vulnerable. And uh, I know I'm not always right, but um, uh, yeah, I'm always willing to uh, talk about these issues and uh, and learn more. So. And even if someone listening to this would disagree with you, I'm, I'm sure you would welcome any conversation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, had a lot of conversations over the last couple of years with people that we don't see eye to eye on, and, and there's been love and support. Um, so I appreciate that. Of course. Well, Bob, thank you again so much for your time this morning. You have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll, we'll keep in touch, all right? All right, Landon. Same to you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. All right. A special thank you to Bob for coming on the show, sharing with us his passion for guiding the next generation and equipping them with biblical values. As Bob has said, he is looking for help with this project. If you have experience in marketing, graphic design, content creation, or if you just have questions, please reach out to Bob. We will have his contact information in the show notes, along with a link to his website, envoy.com. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram, at Inquire Inside. I want to thank you all for tuning in today, and we'll catch you next time.